This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, October 31st, Halloween edition, 2009 edition of Invest Talk. And as always, there's a lot to discuss, a lot of variables at play. We had bed day yesterday, we have the jobs report tomorrow, and there's always news to discuss. So if you are here for unbiased guidance, that's then you came to the right place. So I'm Justin Klein, and thank you for joining me today, and I hope you will call me with your investing questions, and when and if you do make that call, you can shape this show to your particular advantage. Make sure that we're talking about things that are the most relevant to you to move you along your path to financial freedom. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show, and we're going to do today's show just like every show with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. So if you're looking for Jim Cramer, if you're looking for bells and whistles, if you're looking for hyperbole, you've came to the wrong place. Okay, So this is about just giving you the facts straight, hopefully without bias. We all have biases. Okay, We all have biases. You're never going to get rid of all of them, but you want to look at everything with a balanced view as well as looking at multiple data points, and that's what we are going to do for you each and every day. And if you give us a call, talk about a stock, talk about an industry, talk about an asset class, I'm going to try to give you both sides of the argument, and then you can make your own decision because everyone's ultimate decision is going to be slightly different based on slightly different factors. Okay, so. I want to take a few seconds to let you know that if you live anywhere in the New York area, Steve Steve will be there one week from today conducting no-cost portfolio review consultations. He'll be there two days, meeting with a lot of listeners on November 7th and 8th due to strong demand. He added that 8th date. And if you want to sit down with him, I believe he has one or two slots left over those two days to sit down and have a consultation with him, portfolio review, really understand, help him, help you understand where you are in your path towards financial freedom and see if he can help you in some way. Maybe that's just a few suggestions. Maybe that's you know managing a particular account. Whatever it is, it's free. It's complimentary. So you can sit down with him and just go to investtalk.com, click on portfolio review, and you can schedule your time. Now, my main talking point today concerns the realities of a tight job market. And we're going to talk about what older workers, older skilled workers are looking for and how that affects the job market in a relatively tight labor market today and how that will ultimately affect businesses kind of longer term as more and more people are working past 65 as well as the cohort, how do you say that? What word am I looking for? Cohort. There we go. Cohort. There we go. That's the word of baby boomers are moving into retirement, right? The cohort of baby boomers are moving into retirement and a lot of them are going to be working in retirement, but in a different way. Okay, so we're going to talk about that. Also, we're in the midst of earning season right now. About 342 of the 500 S&P 500 companies have reported through 
today, to this morning at least. Obviously, we're not including uh, the, after the close, but through this morning. And we're going to give you some preliminary results. Obviously, it's not finished, but certain sectors have beat more than others. And overall, I'm going to give you kind of an update of what the earnings for the third quarter have been, as well as what companies are saying going forward. Because a lot of people focus on earnings in the earnings report, but the market reacts far more to earnings expectations, you know, updates by the company of what the company is expecting to earn in the future. People discuss about the results from Q3, but what matters in Q4 and in the 2020 matter a lot more. So we're going to touch on that. Also, Euro, Europe, Europe's sluggish economy continues. GDP continues to grow at a very slow rate, 0.8% last quarter. And the ECB, the European Central Bank, is getting a new leader. Christiane Lagarde, and she is a politician. So we're going to touch on what that might mean for those particular uh, strategies that they have in Europe to get their economy moving again, because clearly they are not a bright spot in our global economy. And then lastly, when to claim Social Security, we're going to touch on some details about that as well. So that's what's on my docket today. That's what I want to talk about. But ultimately, the far more important thing is what is on your docket. What is important to you in today's market, with your portfolio, with your just your path towards financial freedom. So any money, finance-related questions are certainly welcome. Let's check in on the market today. By the way, you can give us a call, 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. And I urge you to get your call in sooner rather than later. Now, we had a pretty modest down day overall. The transportation stocks fell the most, and the mid caps were down about three quarters of 1%. Small caps were down about 1%. You had weakness in semiconductors and commodities. And the New York Stock Exchange, the NYA, which is one of the broadest indexes out there, that was down about 0.62%. So a modest down day in the market after hitting a couple of new highs over the past couple of days. And this is negativity around the trade war. And China came out, basically said they don't see a path towards a long-term deal, trade deal with Trump. Basically saying, we can't deal with him. We, you know, we might have something small, limited, but we're not going to have a broad-based deal, and that's what Trump wants. That's what Trump needs. So how he reacts to that will be very, very interesting. And then we have the the Fed meeting yesterday. Clearly, the Fed was is is not eager to ease more. Now their focus is on the money market, right? To have the standing repo facility and ease the credit crunch that we kind of had in early September. And I think that's more important to them than lowering rates once again, especially when the markets are at all-time high. So it's interesting to see how the market reacts uh, to that in the next few days because we've often seen peaks right around the Fed day and then the market rolls over. Let's go to Bob in Sacramento who wants to talk about the S&P 500. Hi, thank you for taking my call. No problem. Uh, uh, um, I was thinking, um, I usually uh, buy TVIX uh, because I think the market's mm-hmm. going to go down again, but I'm thinking like another month or two. Would it, would it be um, 
kind of wise to buy the SPXS and hold on to it for a couple months because you know, like TVIX, you only hold on it for a couple days, if not a week at the most. Um, yep. But I was looking at this one and it it did do a reverse split in April 28, 2017. And uh-huh. I don't know, does that happen like the TVIX? Yeah, it's very common. You know, this is another leverage fund, three times leverage. These are trading vehicles just like TVIX. You don't want to hold these for very long, maybe uh, a week or two, not a very long time frame. So uh, once again, I wouldn't use a, a leverage DTF to hold for months at a time. You know, maybe for a week or two, like I said, but if you're looking for that big bang uh, and, and you're looking to trade it, this is this is a good vehicle for that. But if you think maybe you don't know the time frame, maybe a month or two out, just go with one of the single levered ETFs like an SH where you're not going to get that tracking error and then you're going you're still going to get that upside when the market does roll over. So if if you aren't quite sure you're, you're uh, of the timing of this, which is always hard, then an SH is much better. Yes, you're not going to get that big bang for the buck when it does finally roll over, but you're also not going to have that tracking error and loss of value in the near term if the market doesn't roll over on your exact time frame. Thanks for the call, Bob. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and let me remind you that the Invest Talk radio program and its podcast replays provide a daily dose of market news with unbiased commentary. That's what we are here to do each and every day. And we have a fairly new offering. It's called Invest Talk Academy. It's an online training course, covers a wide variety of topics. Uh, our previous lessons are archived, so you can watch those as well. Very in depth, and you can learn more about it at investtalkacademy.com. Now we're heading into a break, and I'm taking your questions now at 888 99Chart. This is Invest Talk. Steve Peasley's New York City consultation trip is one week away, November 7th and 8th. That's right. Steve Peasley will be sitting down with listeners to help them maximize the performance of their portfolios. Steve's personalized consultations are offered at no cost and with no obligation. Register now at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your investing questions. Call now, 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Let's take a quick look at some key benchmarks for this Thursday, Halloween, October 31st. Oil was down a bit to $54 a barrel after a little bit of a a bump recently from a a weaker dollar. That certainly helped. Gasoline prices continue down again. 261 national average. The two-year treasury yield, a 1.552%. That's down from yesterday. What was interesting about today in the treasury market was the fact that yields were down, which means prices for treasury bonds, at least, were up. But what was down a lot was junk bonds, uh, corporate bonds. So you saw credit spreads come in after the Fed news yesterday, which is basically the market signaling that they want more easing. And the Fed basically said, don't expect it. So that was an interesting reaction that I saw in the bond market or the corporate bond market basically saying that was a, was a risk-off event. 
and they didn't like they didn't love the signaling uh, that the Fed was giving for future direction, basically saying we're not going to re- lower rates again anytime soon unless there's some major event. And uh, I, I think that was credit negative for the bond market overall, but it gave life. A lot of a lot of that money that typically is in, say, corporate bonds, when it's risk off, what are they doing? They're selling corporate bonds and they're going and buying treasuries. So that's why you're seeing a bid in treasuries, a drop in treasury rates that should eventually feed into mortgage rates as well. Gold was at 15, 10 an ounce, up $11 uh, a an ounce. And I think we're starting to get to that point. It looks like gold had its kind of consolidation phase ever since late August. You know, September was certainly a down month for gold and been flat for the most of October. And now it looks like we're starting to break out. We closed the month near the high end of the range on gold prices, which is kind of a good thing uh, from a technical perspective. So I think gold is going to start its march back above and probably towards the 1700 level. You know, I think it's going to march above its pre- previous high uh, earlier this year. And I think we might be taking that next leg very soon. So I still love the gold market overall. Bitcoin's at 9288 a coin, up a little bit from the 8,000. We broke the 9,000 level, which was important for a while. We've recovered it, but technically it still looks like kind of in no man's land. It doesn't look bullish anymore. It doesn't really look bearish. I think there's a lot that needs to be figured out with that market. I've always said, I've said this for a while now, that the crypto market isn't going away. It just needs to evolve, okay? Now this morning, the rate for a 30-year fixed mortgage rate from Fenny. Freddie Mac was 3.78. That's up from around the 3.6 range just a few months ago. And sales of existing homes in September were 5.38 million. That's down 2.2% from August. So clearly you see the sensitivity that the housing market has to just a little bit higher rates. And that's what you saw over the past couple months or so. But inventory remains low, lack of supply. So that's why you're you're seeing that problem. Low supply and a little bit higher rates. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and you've been listening to Invest Talk for a while. You probably heard me say that I believe every investor should determine their own individual risk tolerance. And you can do that by using our free online tool at investtalk.com. But now I'm ready to take your questions live at 888 chart This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener, you may even have called a few times, but if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888 99Chart. Let's go to Noel in Napa. He wants to talk about silver and gold. How you doing, Noel? Uh, good, Justin. Uh, yeah, I, I, you're just talking about gold a bit ago, and I appreciate that. Uh, does uh, the market favor gold now or silver, in your opinion? Uh, I don't know. I used to think... Uh, it, it depended on the ratio, like 15 to 1 or something, but I do the math, and and, and uh, silver is, uh, 
way below 15 to 1 ratio with gold. So do you re recall what that ratio is and which, which one would be favorable at this time? Well, I have studied it uh, in the past, and silver right now from a, a ratio is more attractive, but that mm -hmm. doesn't have a lot of correlation in the near term, okay? That's more of a long-term valuation okay. metric, right? It's kind of like a, a P ratio on the overall market or, or maybe a 10-year P ratio on the overall market. It might be low or might be high. But it doesn't really tell you a lot about what it might be doing in the near term, but long term, that can have a drastic impact on the the, yeah. the, the, the performance. Do you, do you but recall over the next what six that ratio year, is? Just out of curiosity, I I don't I don't have it. I can't remember off the top of my head to be honest with you. Um, but I do know that right now, sil it, that ratio does tell you silver is more undervalued than uh, a gold. But silver does have some correlation to the economy right because silver is used in economic uh in, in a lot of products and so if the economy is weaker then the demand for silver so in that sense wanes but silver still just like gold throughout history has had a lot of correlation to uh, or it's been hard money right and it's been a currency throughout human history in many forms so it's something that Certainly in tough economic times or where, where people are seeking safety, people will, will still flock to both. Certainly gold has more of that factor, right? Where it, people would rather hold gold over silver, and that's why it has such a, a high price compared to silver. Thanks for the call, Noel. Now, my main talking point today concerns the realities of a tight labor market. And the title of the article is, What Must Employees Do to Attract, uh, attract Skilled Older Workers? And this is going to be more of a trend where baby boomers who either don't want to retire, and I can certainly understand that, or they want to stop doing what they don't like to do and do more of what they do want to do. That's what Steve did, right? And his, he's retired quote-unquote, in his late 40s and started to do to this, right? And he liked this a lot more than his previous career. And certainly that's a, at a relatively young age. And But a lot of people would be doing this into their 60s and even 70s because life expectancy is going to be longer. You know, most people died at, or retired at 65, but they passed in their late 70s. So they were only in retirement for 10 to 15 years. Now, with the advances of medical technology, that's uh, the life expectancy is going to continue to rise, and working in your 70s is not going to be abnormal anymore. So that could be because of lifestyle factors as well as income and savings factors as well. A lot of baby boomers are behind the eight ball when it comes to retirement. Now, the one thing that baby boomers or retirees really want in retirement in order to work is flexible hours. So working jobs where they can you know, pick up shifts here, not work certain days, etc. I don't think they're going to be working nine to five like your typical worker. And this is a survey. More than 60% of individuals who say they would surely not work after the age of 70 if they did not have flexible hours. But if they did, it's about 32% would absolutely work with flexible hours. So uh, there's a high percentage that would, would love to work if they had flexible hours. 
And I think companies are going to have to start to shift how they schedule employees. And it's really going to change. And this is not just, I think, baby boomers and retirees. It's, it's everybody. You know, our economy is more flexible nowadays. People can work multiple jobs, at work jobs at different times, right? Because you can answer emails whenever, as opposed to back in the day, you had to be in an office to answer a phone, to take care of business, to make phone calls. Now with technology, it's a lot easier to get things done almost any time of the day. So a surging number of Americans are staying in the labor force after that 65 age. It's doubled over the past 35 years, and that's hitting 20% earlier this year. So 20% of those over the age of 65 are continuing to work. And this is a good thing for a tight labor market, right? Like right now, a lot of people are retiring, but still working on contract jobs or part-time, and that is good for, for companies overall. But as... Um, you know, you go into maybe a recession, that's going to increase the size of the unemployment force, increase the amount of unemployment that companies are going to have to pay, uh, etc. So it's going to be interesting to see what that looks like in the next recession. Now, the next invest stock, consumers account for about 70% of the US GDP and their spending. And Steve is going to talk about that more. And now I'm ready to take your call at 888 chart Numbers are elusive. Is it only a maximum of 7000 total between the two accounts? They're always changing. And shot up to about 380 at one point. I got in about 291. On InvestDoc, the focus is on numbers that affect our listeners. It's about 5% of my overall portfolio. InvestTalk listeners know it's all about the numbers. As far as I remember, you only have 60 days to complete a rollover from a 401k into another retirement vehicle. So the questions keep coming. Got a question about insider trading. From every part of America. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is G from Philly. 24-7. Hi, this is Jen from Portland, Oregon. Using years of experience, Steve Peasley and Justin Klein analyze the complex patterns in those numbers and do their very best to decipher the potential meanings. Thanks a lot, guys. InvestTalk.com. In today's market, more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance because it can help you achieve financial freedom. Well, you've come to the right place, InvestTalk. And Justin Klein is here now taking your calls live. So step up with your questions, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Paul in San Rafael looking at TripAdvisor. How are you doing, Paul? Well, hey, Justin. I'm doing well. And, and yourself, thanks for taking my call. Thanks for making it. Now, you're looking at TripAdvisor. Do you own it? You're looking to buy it, sell it, give it away? I own it in a, a long-term growth portfolio that I have, and I've just been uh, doing a little review, and I'm just... Mm-hmm. Not sure whether I want to continue holding it. I just want to see what your take and uh, what you might think if you had it and wanted to hold it for for a long term or get rid of it. 
Yeah, well, this is TripAdvisor. They provide online travel-related content, including aggregated reviews via TripAdvisor.com. They're a lot. They're kind of like Yelp, but more popular in in Europe, for example, uh, abroad. Five point six billion dollar market cap, and we have revenue growing or shrinking, excuse me, year over year, three percent. So if it's in a growth portfolio. You know, this is not a name that has very strong growth. And if you even look at earnings back in 2012, they made a dollar fifty-four, and last year they made a dollar seventy. This year, it's supposed to make a dollar eighty-eight. So this isn't a great, strong, long-term secular grower. So that worries me a, a little bit. They don't pay a dividend. Profits were up ten percent year over year, but that seems to be kind of all over the place. So that worries me a little bit. If you look at Profitability metrics—they're—they're—they're they're, they're fairly profitable. You have positive free cash flow. That let's see if that's going up or that's going down from last quarter. It's—it's uh, it's pretty steady. It's kind of choppy. Probably depends on you know whether it's travel season or not in Europe. Return on equity is about nine percent. That's you know not super exciting, but it's starting to bottom. You know, it bottomed in 2018. It, negative territory and it's it's going up. So I like that that trend there. No dividend, like I said, they have very little debt, if if anything at all. So that's probably, actually no debt. So I like that. Uh, enterprise value EBA is thirteen. Not super expensive. Not super cheap either. Let me look at a monthly chart. Technically, it's actually right near some pretty strong support. Right around this thirty-six to thirty-eight dollar level, we're at forty, forty at the close today, forty dollars forty cents. You know, I still like I still like that business overall. Uh, its bottom long term is at about thirty, so if it breaks that, I would be I would definitely be out. But you know, I like the business overall. It's relatively cheap. I like that it has very little debt in the time where a lot of companies have a bunch of debt. So from a long term perspective, I'm okay with it. Because of the valuation, because I like the area that a uh, business that it's in, uh, and its profitability metrics, long-term and cash flow situation, and balance sheet looks very solid. I like it uh, long-term, so I would hold it, Paul. Okay, sounds good. Thanks for the uh, opinion. I appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for calling. That was TripAdvisor T R I P. Certainly not the greatest near-term performance, but long-term, it has good, strong cash flows. And I like companies with little debt. Pretty rare to find that nowadays. Now, speaking of earnings, we are about three-quarters of the way through the earnings season. 342 of the 500 S&P 500 companies have posted earnings through the this morning. And while overall profits are beating expectations overall... You're still seeing a drop in earnings, down about 2.7% from a year earlier. That's three quarters in a row of declining profits, modestly, you know, 2.7, not dramatic, but certainly its steepest decline for the third quarter since 2016. And part of that has to do with the underlying business conditions. Part of that also has to do with the third quarter last year was kind of the high watermark for the economy overall. And it's tough comps, right? You're, you're looking year over year, so you're looking at what happened in the third quarter last year, and that was really where, where, th- where the profits were, were pretty solid uh, last year, and then you, we've been weakening ever since. Now, the latest job figures showed unemployment continues to hover near 50-year lows, but you're going to get a release tomorrow, and that'll be interesting to see 
where we're at. And earnings are expected to rise 5.7 and 7.1% in the first and second quarters of next year. Now, we all know that analysts tend to be a little more optimistic the farther out they're looking, right? And that's reflected in the fact that more companies are lowering, lowering earnings expectations for next year than raising them. 43 companies in the S&P 500 have issued negative outlooks as of this morning, compared to only 17 have given positive guidance during this earnings season. So the problem is that earnings expectations for 2020 continue to be too high and how the market reacts to that adjustment will be very, very interesting. Now, GDP came out for the third quarter at a rate of 1.9%, which is certainly a slowdown from the second quarter, but above what analysts were expecting. I think the Atlanta Fed GDP number was about 1.7. So overall, that was a pretty solid number. Now, still subject to a couple of revisions here, but earnings overall tend to move in lockstep with GDP, right? To earn money, you need to have economic activity and GDP is a barometer for that. So the biggest takeaway from earnings season so far is that companies that are domestically focused are doing fairly well, while the ones that are focused overseas or have a large portion of their revenue from overseas, that's been the biggest problem. Those that get less than 50% of revenues from the United States are on track for a decline of 7.4% in their earnings and a fall of 2.2% in their revenues. But if you're a domestically focused company where more than half of your revenues come within the United States, earnings are up 4.9%. Actually, earnings are flat, excuse me, and revenues are up 4.9%. So you're seeing that dichotomy between those multinational companies that are operating in Europe, operating in China, operating in South America in a big way, and they're not doing so hot. But those smaller cap names, companies that are more internally focused, domestically focused, they're the ones that are bucking the overall earnings trend. I'm Justin Klein. You're listening to Invest Talk, And obviously, you understand the importance of unbiased guidance and experienced market analysis. That's why you're here why you're listening. So I encourage you to subscribe to the KPP Premium Newsletter. It's written and distributed every single Friday. It comes to your email box. We have market analysis, portfolio management guidance, stock ideas, personal finance tips as well. You can subscribe anytime at investtalk.com. And now I'm ready to take your questions live. We have about 15 minutes left in the show. So if you're going to call, you want to do it right now at 888-99-CHART. This is Talk. Here's good news for listeners in the New York area. Steve Peasley is making appointments for his in-person and no-cost portfolio review consultations. Steve will be in New York City on Thursday, November 7th and Friday, November 8th. That's right. Due to strong demand, Steve has added a second date in New York. Is your portfolio performing at its full potential? Steve can show you how to get it optimized. For best times, register now and learn more at investtalk.com. The InvestTalk Anytime listener lines are open, and Steve and Justin welcome your questions. Call now, 888-99-CHART. Hey guys, this is Dan from New York. Quick question, in the real estate market, 
would you say right now is a seller's market or more of a buyer's market? I'm considering to sell my house, but I'm not sure if right now is the time or if I should wait on a later time. Uh, I look forward to your answer on your podcast. Love your show, guys. Thank you. That's a difficult question for me to answer because I don't know where you're from. <laughs> it depends on what markets you're you're talking about. I think in kind of the the more expensive markets, we're certainly more uh, in a buyer's market. However, if you look at the Midwest, the areas that are maybe lower price, that tends to be more of a seller's market because it's still relatively affordable for the buyers. In the expensive markets, you know, you're talking about the Bay Area, even here in pretty much California as a whole, especially the coastal communities, as well as Seattle, the Northeast. Those are areas that tend to have more overpriced houses. The effects of a slower economy are being felt there. In the Bay Area, the slowdown in IPOs and in the tech space overall, that's certainly being felt to some degree. And so it depends on the market. So it's hard for me to say that. Uh, overall, I think it's still a a seller's market because of the recent drop in interest rates. If you saw mortgage rates go back to 4, 5%, it would absolutely switch over to, uh, to, to a buyer's market because there's a lot less people able to afford the homes. You're going to see a drop in prices kind of like you saw late last year into early this year. And now you're starting to see a little rally, a little strength from the market because of those lower interest rates. So a lot depends on your local market and where interest rates are over the next three, six months. And that will be a big, big factor. But thanks for the call. Hope that helped. Now let's keep the momentum going. And here's another caller question that came in at 888-99-CHART. Hi, guys. This is Mike from Louisville, Kentucky. And I've been thinking about Berkshire uh, Class B stock with so much like $120 billion in cash. I can't believe the stock is not undervalued and that there'd be a good time to buy it because if there's going to be a correction or a big change in the next year or two, I mean, that's like a spring-loaded gun ready to go off uh, for, do, for some profits. So uh, let me know what your thoughts are about Berkshire and what would be a good price. You have a great show, and you all take care. Thanks for the call. Great question. Now, they do have about $120 billion in cash, you're correct, but they also have $100 billion in debt. So there's kind of offsetting factors. So the net-net, they have about $20 billion in debt, market cap $520 billion, about $500 billion in enterprise value. Now, Berkshire is a conglomerate in almost every sense of the word. You know, they're in insurance, food service, energy business, manufacturing, flooring, and finance, and apparel. They're all over the board. Obviously, Warren, throughout the years, has bought up various types of businesses that he feels are good businesses and, and relatively undervalued. Now, the stock, Berkshire Hathaway, peaked in January of last year, just like kind of the rest of the market. Right? It peaked at right about, uh, well, it peaked at about 218. You came out to a new high late last year to 225, and now we're at 215, the close today, 212.58 at the close today. So the stock has been relatively flat over the past year and a half plus, almost two years now. And this is a good 
indication of the fact that, yes, while this, the markets made new highs, a lot of that has been driven by the tech side, right? Because Berkshire doesn't have, does not have a lot of tech businesses. They're very industrial-focused and finance-focused with Geico, for example. And the fact that they're going sideways means the overall economy is just going sideways. And Berkshire is good long-term hold if you're just looking for a mix of companies that all are relatively profitable with good cash flows, you're not going to earn a dividend. So all that money is going to go into Berkshire coffers. That's why they have $120 billion in cash. Limited debt. So they have a good balance sheet. I like that. But it's not undervalued. I wouldn't say it's undervalued. Enterprise value to EBIT is 12. Not cheap. Not super expensive. I'll say that. It's kind of in that range. Berkshire tends to trade right between about 8 and 12. So it's kind of on the high end of its longer term valuation range. So that worries me a little bit. So it's not a necessarily great time to be buying Berkshire. Because it's very industrial focused and it's going to move along with the overall economy. Now, if you think the economy is going to accelerate out of this, you think this is a consolidation phase, kind of like the 2015-16 time frame, and there's going to be this catalyst that catapults us out of this malaise, this slowdown, then Berkshire, from a timing perspective, would move up with the overall economy because their profits will. But if you think a recession is coming, it will certainly be very sensitive to that change in the underlying economy. And just like the overall market, it's going to track it, right? It's going to track the overall market. And it's going to really indicate where we're, we're headed as an overall economy. So it's actually a good name to follow everybody, whether you own it or not, to really see where the underlying industrial side of the economy plays. Thanks for the call. That was Berkshire B. B-R-K dot B is the symbol. 888-99 chart, 888-992-4278. We have Seven, eight minutes left in the show. So if you're going to call, you want to do it right now. Now, after the break, I want to touch on Europe. And there's a changing of the guard. Christine Lagarde, as a matter of fact, she's the incoming president of the ECB after, is it at the end of this month or the end of November? I'm trying to remember exactly, but it's, it's very soon. And she was obviously the president of... France for some time, and so she's a politician. And I'm going to talk about what's happening in Europe and why this is where the weakness really is emanating from the global economy and what's causing it. Because it is a multitude of factors that's causing the Eurozone to only grow at 0.8% last quarter in an annualized rate, which is very, very slow. And she's going to be tasked on figuring out how to get their economy moving again. You know, they've done so much with monetary policy. And what are they going to do? What is she going to do to really move that economy forward and help the global economy overall? Because remember, the Eurozone is the largest economic block in the world. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this break, so give me a call at 888-99-CHART.
is ticking. And serious investors living anywhere in the New York City area will have to act quickly if they want to sit down with Steve Peasley for his no-cost portfolio review consultations. Steve will be in New York for two days, November 7th and 8th. Register now through investtalk.com. Click on Portfolio Review. Steve and Justin welcome your investing questions, and the Invest Talk Anytime listener lines are open now. 888-99 Chart. 888-99 Chart. 888-992-4278. Now let's touch on what's happening over in Europe. Like I said before the break, GDP is only growing at about 0.8%. Very snail's pace over there. And data and business surveys indicate that manufacturers continue to bear the brunt of the slowdown there. Especially in parts of the UK, because of Brexit, Turkey, and even parts of you know, parts of other regions within within the Euro region. Now Chemical giant BASF, you've heard those commercials from back in the day, they're one of Europe's largest manufacturers. And they what they're saying is that the trade conflict between the U.S. and China is weighing on business. But they also point to uncertainties around Brexit. And what's interesting is they're not saying that it's necessarily orders and order flow. It's that companies are not investing because they're not sure uh, what's going to happen. right? Because we haven't really implemented too many tariffs on European goods. But factories are showing slowdown because investment spending is slowing. Because they don't know, companies don't know how long and profound the changes in the global trading system will be. So that's the big driver there of what's what the slowdown is and president trump is actually set to maybe put automobile tariffs on imported cars and that would be a big hit to the european economy because clearly you have bmw chrysler etc that import a lot of cars here to the united states now what i think christine lagarde is going to do is They've already started to pr- buy more bonds, do QE again, make yields even more negative. They don't really have monetary policy tools, but what they do have are fiscal policy tools. And I think they're going to start to do, just like they're, gonna, they're doing here in the United States, is to spend more money. She's going to push her fellow politicians to spend more money on infrastructure, on things to improve the economies, and the ECB is going to buy up that debt, that increasing amount of debt. And I think that's the next phase, just like it is here in America. Let's go to Billy in the Bay Area. He wants to talk about the banking system. Hello. Hello, Billy. How you doing? Hey, how's it going? Uh, thank you for having me on. No problem. You want to talk uh, so about the banking system? I would, I would definitely, I have, I have one word for you that is going to change the world. Cryptocurrency. Okay. So, with that said, I believe Christine Lagarde is going to, they won't use a crypto, but they're going to change the banking system and the old system that they're currently using, which is SWIFT, is an outdated system from the 70s, which takes, you know, three to five business days to transfer money worldwide. So once they're able to 
free up all this money that's in these Velcro accounts that are locked up because Bank A can't get to Bank B to get to Bank C because I'm trying to send money from China to Africa, but I have about five intermediaries that basically have to clear it, and in that whole transaction, it can get lost between any of those banks. So their fail rate is pretty high, and they're going to use this new technology basically to transfer money in seconds, and it's going to be you know almost bulletproof. Well, I, I do think that they are exploring those type of options, uh, and I think one day they'll be a point where the technology is good enough. Um, but I think with blockchain, the blockchain bloat, and security, there's a lot that continues to need to be resolved with that technology. It has a lot of promise. There is a future, but I don't know if it's ready for prime time yet. I actually am very confident that it isn't ready for prime time. So I'm not sure if Lagarde can pivot to that yet, but I do. I, I like I like your thinking because I do think long-term, eventually, it will get to a point where it will change our financial system. I'm Justin Klein. That completes another Invest Talk program. Steve and I will return. Or Steve will return tomorrow with highlights from the Cape Premium Newsletter. I will be back on Monday. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.